So, Mark. Yes. We are here today to talk about Kalahonaho. In Indubitably. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so, this movie, like we said at the end of our last episode, it's very good, but it is very long. It's a three-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, a lot of you took our advice and watched it on Amazon Prime to get ready for this episode because you will not believe the things that we are saying there is a dramatic twist that comes an hour and a half into the movie and it's my favorite thing i've ever seen in a movie in my life that radically changes the rest of the hour and a half that you have left in this movie anyway the reason that we're starting off this way is because this movie is so long we're not playing any games at the start we just got to get moving into this episode does that seem fair to you yeah let's go all right it's time for heart of fondness i'm mark and i'm gay and i'm will and i'm a ginger this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question, does Hollywood romance actually, or does Bollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation or if it's a three-hour melodrama love triangle and maybe there's an almost gay subplot, but no, we're going to dig in and see what's there. Oh, and of course, to help us out with this, we've got our favorite third roommate here to help us through it. Uh, we don't have Mr. Lep sitting at the table. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's me, the other third roommate. Oh, the fourth roommate. The fourth roommate. That's what that's called. Claire, yes. Yeah, Mr. Lep never came back from that date. Yeah, Mr. Lep's gone. You let my stuffed leopard go on a date without (laughs) telling me? Uh, He's his own man, Claire. You don't own him. Sorry, I thought he was an inanimate object. No, he came to talk about Indiana Jones, and then he went on a date, and we haven't seen him since. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. My mistake. Anyway, I'm Claire. I live with them and a giant stuffed leopard. When the giant stuffed leopard decides to come home. If if he decides to come home. Um, And today we're talking about Kalhonaho which is a Bollywood movie, and Kalhonaho means tomorrow may never come or may not be there tomorrow, something along those lines. And I wanted to watch this movie because I had an intense Bollywood phase in high school. I would, like, watch these three-hour Bollywood movies from, like, midnight to 3 a.m. sometimes. So you watched one movie. (laughs) Yeah, yes. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would stay up super late watching these movies, and they have everything I love about Hollywood, except for a little bit more. Because I'm a big fan of dramatic romance and song and dance numbers. So, especially the romantic comedy Bollywood movies are some of my favorite movies that I've ever watched. And I was thinking about it as we were putting this together. This isn't even a romantic comedy. This is like full-on melodrama. Actually, it's interesting. So, Bollywood is not like a genre. It refers to like the Hindi language film industry in Mumbai. So it's a portmanteau of Bombay, the old name for Mumbai, and Hollywood, so Bollywood. So it's an industry and not a genre, but within the industry there are different genres. And this is actually, could be categorized as like a masala film, because a masala, masala Bollywood movies have like a little bit of everything. It means they don't neatly fall into one category, but they have action, they have romance, they have drama. So I thought that was pretty cool. To give an American parallel, I was reminded a lot of the Cameron Crowe movies, like Say Anything, where there's just a ton of different kinds of movies contained in this sprawling, like, ordinary life epic. Yeah, that makes sense. I think this movie definitely has comedy elements. Oh, Especially sure. in the first half. My man Frankie. Yeah. Yes. And Sweetu. In the first half, comedy is a very important part of it, but it definitely fades out after the dramatic reveal that we'll get to soon. Yes, we're gonna... After my favorite scene in cinema. We're gonna keep you on the hook (laughs) for this dramatic reveal. Can I give a little more information? Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
I mean, we are a table of white people, but you are the person who knows the most about Indian cinema here. That is true. That's not to say I know a ton about Indian cinema, and I will give a disclaimer. I actually did a little bit of research for the podcast, but if you're interested on hearing more from some South Asian podcasters, Bollywood Boys have a podcast on Kalhonaho, and there's some other podcasts that we can tweet out later if you guys want to check out more about Bollywood films. Some interesting facts about Bollywood. Over a thousand Bollywood movies are made every year. And that's not referring to Indian cinema. That's just the Hindi language cinema. And we think our market is being flooded. (laughs) Yeah. And there are other smaller markets within India like Tollywood, which is the Telugu film industry, or Kaliwood, which is the Tamil film industry. And interesting, we I, I noticed when we were watching this movie, we kept on commenting how it was in Hindi, but there were many lines that were spoken in English. Yeah, they just cut back and forth. So, Some full conversations at times, too. Yeah, and I was really interested in this, so I looked it up, and apparently most Bollywood movies are actually in kind of like a, a Hindi-Urdu dialect that can be understood by both Hindi and Urdu speakers. It's sometimes called Hindustani. But they more recently, especially the more modern movies, have been in Hinglish, which is uh, the word for kind of the mixing of Hindi and English. And it's not only Hindi, it refers to mixing English with any South Asian language. So in any urban place on the subcontinent, it's pretty commonly spoken. And actually in 2004, there was a study that estimated that 350 million people speak English, which is actually close to the number of native English speakers in the world. And that was 14 years ago. Yeah, exactly. That's insane. So I thought it was really interesting to notice that they were using English and also this Urdu-Hindi dialect in the movie, and the fact that this is a commonly spoken dialect. So Yeah, really and cool. I mean, this must be something a lot of people can access. This was the second most successful movie in India of 2003. It was a huge hit. And again, I don't know what that looks like in Indian cinema, but in American filmmaking, it's really impressive because it is the first film for its director, for uh, Nikhil Advani. He had wanted to do originally a thriller starring Shah Rukh Khan, but the screenwriter, Karan Johar, convinced him to do this instead. Actually, so I was digging around, and Karan... Karan Johar is actually really interesting. His dad's a big producer, right? Exactly. He comes from a family. His dad and his grandfather were both involved in the movie industry. But what I think is interesting is, so he's a director, actor, writer, and he wrote a lot of the major hits in the early 2000s. A lot of them started with K because he believed in numerology. So he titled all his movies with a K. But um, he's incredibly successful. And another thing is that he is as openly gay as you can be. That's really interesting because we do have that. It's not a subplot, but a couple occasional references to the idea of homosexuality in this movie. And part of the reason why I think this movie paints homosexuality in such a positive light for the time is because Karan Johar wrote it. Yeah, I read an interview with Karan Johar from when the movie was coming out. I discovered that the original title for the movie, I Love Abandoned Titles, was, again, in translation, because I did some Google Translate work, uh, was Never Say Goodbye, Hmm. which he then later used for a different movie. But in an interview, he was like asked what the movie's about, and he said, it's about smiling and being happy today because no one has seen tomorrow. That's what I believe. Live for today because you never know what's in store tomorrow. And that is the dramatic presence of this entire film. That is Shah Rukh Khan's character. And a note on Shah Rukh Khan. So Shah Rukh Khan is like a mega star of Indian cinema. He's also the second richest actor in the entire world. Second only to Jerry Seinfeld. It's that B-movie money. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so he's been in, I think... Hashtag B-bucks. It said 80. He's been in 80 movies. And he's just like an amazing, not amazing, but like an incredibly well-known, well-respected actor. 
And another thing we noticed, I guess I could we could talk about this later. Sure. Now I would if you got something to say. Um, another thing we noted is the big age difference. It, yes. It's very common in Bollywood films for the, the leading male to be older than the leading female. And it's common in American films, am I right? That is true. But so I looked at looked it up and actually the age difference between Shah Rukh Khan and the female lead, Pretty Zinta, is only about nine years. And he's been in many films where he's been 20 years older than. So the, this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually pretty good. And an interesting thing about Pretty Zinta is she got her big break starring opposite Shah Rukh Khan in the movie Dilse. So this is kind of their second I'm not sure if they play romantic leads, but this is their second pairing. Okay. And it's funny. I was reading these interviews about the production, and every interview at some point asks the person, like, what's it like working with Shah Rukh Khan? And so, like, the screenwriter, his response was, I'd say he's an indispensable part of my life. I need him as an actor and as human being. I need his brotherly presence very seriously. More amusing was the director... Advani's comment on him, where he was asked, like, what's it like to direct Shah Rukh Khan? And his answer was, I was a little nervous initially, but Shah Rukh is very clear about his role, and one doesn't really direct him. He is clear about his character's graph. <laughs> also, Shah Rukh Khan shot this while he was, like, in the midst of spinal surgery for incredibly intense back pain. Oh so God. he was in, like, serious pain the whole time they were making this movie. Wow. What? You can't tell at all. No. Yeah. And he does a lot of dancing. He does. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to some of the hit singles that came out of this movie. Indeed. Uh, and they did actually shoot this movie in New York. Oh. They had talked about doing it in Toronto and they shot a couple of things in Toronto and then the director was like, no, this isn't real. And so they did a 53-day shoot in New York City, which made this much more expensive than a normal Bollywood movie because they used a New York crew, so they paid American Union contracts. And also, while they were there, was the 2003 Northeast blackout. So there were a couple of days where they had no power and they couldn't shoot and they were just like there not really knowing what to do. Yeah, and I mean, there are shots in this movie where they must have shut down the whole Brooklyn Bridge to pedestrian traffic. Like, in terms of just the this spaces they used. to shoot in the U.S. But yeah. they also really milked the, I mean, they were like, we're going to New York and we are going to go to New York. Like, everything happens in Brooklyn Bridge. His apartment is literally in Grand Central Station. <laughs> oh my god, that scene is so, what happens there? Like, it's just as New York as possible. Like, they live know, on Staten like, Island, so they're Three or four scenes on the Staten Island Ferry. Although the neighborhood actually, in real life, is in Brooklyn. Which makes more sense, because I think they just wanted them on a boat. Yeah, because a boat is a good cinematic device because it traps people. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. Okay, can I do my Claire's Corner? Oh, yes, of course. This This is the the return of hashtag Claire's Corner. Okay, so this is Claire's Corner, where I evaluate the film through an intersectional feminist lens for as long as these two will let me talk about it. Um, (laughs) As long as we stay under two hours, that time slot is reserved for Back to the Future. Okay, well, short is good, so I'm going to try to keep it brief. Essentially, this movie has pros and cons in terms of feminism. There are strong and interesting female characters, including the mothers and the main Jenny is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nana, the main character, her mom, Jenny, is a very strong... Independent businesswoman. Yeah, and actually, there's a whole plot line that doesn't involve romantic love between two female characters, the mom and the grandmother. So in that respect, it gets some brownie points. Um, this is a movie that uses its three hours to treat all of its characters as fully developed humans. Yeah. It doesn't use its three hours to, like, pad out some nonsense. It's not using songs to fill time. It really does treat every one of its characters as an individual. And it deals with some really heavy, not always well, but it deals with some really heavy issues. Adoption, suicide, disease, 
Like, oh, ben. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to get into that now because this is so interesting. So I already said that Karan Johar is, he has never come out as gay, but he wrote in his autobiography that everyone knows his sexuality and he cannot say the three words that are impossible to say in India. So he is gay and he wrote this movie and there's this whole subplot about the close friendship between Shah Rukh Khan and my forever crush, Saif Ali Khan. And they're caught in some interesting positions together, just being close friends. They're straight up cuddling <laughs> the first cuddling. time. In yeah. Bed. Yeah. And, and Shah Rukh Khan, Ahmad, is playing it up. Like, he's actively nuzzling him as part of this joke. Yes. So, and then the housekeeper. Kantaben! comes in and will put the little musical sting right there <laughs> every time contaband reacts to something there's a little like choral riff where it's a choir going contaband <laughs> and so this is first of all hilarious second of all interesting because the butt of the joke is contaband's reaction to their close friendship so it's more about Kanta Ben's overreaction that is funny and there's even a scene where Saif Ali Khan his character's name is Rohit's father, talks about how he's can accept his son for who he is. So for... I was really surprised by that. Yeah. What year was the, the movie? 2003. So for 2003, Bollywood cinema, that's pretty accepting. I mean, you think about the closest parallel we've done for the show for American movies is Sweet Home Alabama, which is a year later. And that movie's treatment of homosexuality is interesting. It's, it's nuanced. It is trying very hard. It's trying very hard, but it's not great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I thought, honestly, I think this movie treats it more respectfully, even without actual gay characters. What's really fascinating is there's a song about love, and it's showing a bunch of different couples, and in it, there is a gay couple. Yeah. Which I was just like, what? Because that wouldn't happen in an American movie. Like, not in 2003. Not in 2003. Barely would happen today. Like, you get it in some New York commercials. And that's about it. Do you want to talk about the excellent tweet that you discovered, Mark? Uh, yes. In 2017, Kal Penn, who's an Indian actor from Harold and Kumar and also a former Obama White House person, tweeted out, Mike Pence is just like Kanta Ben from Kal Hodaho. <laughs> and Kanta Ben! So we will be sharing that tweet, bringing it back, using our massive Twitter fan base to re-viralize this tweet. Hashtag Contabents. So, Contabents. Oh my god. So those are the two positive things about this movie, I would say, in terms of intersectional feminism, other than, of course, it stars many people of color because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> an Indian film. Although, in other ways, it has a lot of old-fashioned ideas about women and flirting. Are you about to talk about Sweetu? Well, yeah. They also, an entire character is based on fat shaming. Would you like to explain Sweetu? Sweetu is a great Sweetu character. Sweetu is my favorite character in this I movie. I mean, she's my personal hero, but... <laughs> so, Sweetu is introduced... At she's a coffee the main shop, best friend. Main character's best friend and neighbor. They meet up at a coffee shop, and she orders two bagels and two fr- or two donuts and two frappuccinos, and then turns to her friend and says, "Oh, what do you want?" And then in the narration, Nana says, "Sweet Two's my best friend, but she has two problems: one, those stubborn pounds she can't seem to lose, and two, the fact that she's not sad about it." So Sweet, Sweet Two is just like this super positive, super happy woman who's. Like, 
comfortable with who she is, and knows what she finds wants, love. finds love, and goes out and gets it. And is a supportive best friend. Like, Sweet Two is the best. And <laughs> rocks the ponytail right on the top of your head. That is true. She is the queen of 2003 fashion. So, yeah, we fat shame Sweet Two. There's constant negging and, like, insinuations that flirtation, like, flirtation is just convincing a woman to say yes, even if she wants to say no, which is not really the narrative we yes, want to have Claire. around consent. Because tomorrow may not come. All right. All right. That is that is like the main premise of the movie, actually, romantically. So that is all not so great through an intersectional feminist lens. And also, there's some weird treatment of characters of other races. Namely, oh, are you the, talking about the Chinese restaurant? The competing Chinese restaurant. And, it's so weird. And also, every black character in the movie has like... It are like extras, but also like wearing have, a do-rag. have somewhat negative characteristics. Like the guy who beats up Rohit in the elevator is black. The guy who yells at uh, Nana's younger brother on the playground is black. Like I was just like, this seems unnecessary. <laughs> so anyway, that that this has been Claire's corner. Are we ready to start going through our five points? I mean, we got three hours of content to work through. <laughs> yeah, so we should probably keep moving. Claire, since you brought us the movie, we asked you to pick the five points, and I honestly don't know how you could have done it. So, okay. The, my actual main dilemma is honestly deciding what the main love story of this movie is. Because there's so it's many. It's Contaben and shame. Contaben and shame. I mean, there's, there's so many love stories. It's like from the grandma and the old man. Oh, um, I forgot about them. There's Sweet Two and the DJ Frankie. There's uh, Rohit's parents. Like, there's a lot of romance in this movie. But the, the Rohit's main... Rohit's parents are like Gomez and Morticia level just in love with each other. That yeah. That's true. And there's only... I think there's two characters that don't get any romance. And it's Aman's mom and Nana's mom. Does Kondaben get any romance? Well, Kondaben does not get no, any romance. No. In terms of like fleshed out characters... But it's really interesting because the rest of the movie is basically every character talking about how great mothers are and the concept of motherhood. So they have a lot of love in their lives, but they're just you not really say, given romance. You might say they love the love. They do love the love. Hashtag, love Hashtag the we love. love the love. This is the most pro-mom movie I think I've ever seen, where there was just multiple monologues about how great moms are and the entire <laughs> concept of motherhood. <laughs> Um, but I was not referring to no. any of what we just discussed. No. Welcome to Heart of Fondness. Welcome to Kaho Naho. So essentially, <laughs> Watch this movie. Oh, that's okay. also true. So the, the, the movie is really about three people and the romances between them. So we have uh, Nena, played by Pretty Zinta. We have Aman, played by Shah Rukh Khan. And then we have Rohit, played by Saif Ali Khan, my future husband. And as we start the movie, Nana and Rohit are friends. They're in MBA classes together. And Aman is coming to the United States from India. The whole movie, like we said, is set in New York. Yes. And there's so many. So there's a, a love story between Aman and Nana. There's a love story between Nana and Rohit. And honestly, as we discussed before, there is a love story between Aman and Rohit. It's 100% there. Uh, they are have a lot of very close moments and become very important friends. I was reading some comment, some like scholarly analysis of the movie, and there was one scholar who was arguing that the way the movie works, spoiler, Amon dies, and Amon has to die because Nana cannot end up with either of the men as long as they are both alive and close to each other. Oh my god. I was gonna say I was keeping the spoiler, but it's also interesting that the person who is there with Amon when he dies is Rohit. Not his mother, not Nana. It's Rohit. 
They're so in love. It's so obvious. Anyway, the first I night they to meet, Palhonaho to each other. Despite the fact that this is clearly a love story about Amen and Rohit, I have decided to analyze the love story between Nana and Amon because I think that's the one the movie wants us to care about. Although, as we talked about as we were watching it, it's not the one we care about because I'm in love with Saif Ali Khan and I was kind of on his team the whole time. And then Rohit and Amon are so are so cute. That's, That's my favorite one. Yeah, me um, too. But let's go through the five points of Nana and Amon's love story. I decided to use the songs in the movie as kind of benchmarks to mark the stages of their relationship. Which I think the movie is doing too. Yeah. So the first point is when Nana and Aman meet, and this is during the Pretty Woman dance number, which becomes a block party in their Brooklyn neighborhood or this Staten Island neighborhood. It's an incredible reveal when the song starts and then they hit the drop for the refrain, and it's a Pretty Woman remix. So there's like, in front of a giant American there's flag. There's like a giant American flag. Like people are break dancing. Like the entire block is dancing. This movie loves the idea of America. Yeah, it's very interesting actually to see a concept of America through a different lens. It's kind of like the America that exists in this movie is like an outside ideal of America. It's, it's the way like you talk to people from outside, especially young people from outside the United States, and like they think American high school is like high school musical. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really interesting because it's also very much about not losing your ties to Indian culture. Right. It's very interested in the diaspora. Right. It's very pro America, but at the same time, Nana's mom, Jenny, her restaurant doesn't do well until she fully embraces Indian culture. That's true. So it's very much about not losing ties to your homeland, but. America is great at the same time. I think it also speaks to the reality of the diaspora because... Yeah, I think the movie yeah. believes these are very much intertwined. Yeah. You can be immersed in Indian culture and also be celebrating what's great about America. Right. There's voiceover at the start of the movie over the, like, montage work they're doing at the start of the movie with all the boxes. I'm not into that. I feel like it's really early 2000s it's New York. Clunky. Like, I watched it and thought of Sex in the City. But one of the first things that they say in this voiceover, they say that every fourth face in New York is Indian, which is patently false. Yeah. <laughs> but does reflect the reality of this movie. Yeah. And also, it's not accurate like in terms of numbers but like it kind of represents an ideal of america where that can be a home to any community right anyway so they meet at this block party and a mom like shows up and is just playing with the kids in the street this is a classic you know kind of like in hitch where the woman is very serious and wears glasses and doesn't smile and then the the jocular man comes and teaches her how to love literally teaches her to smile yes he's like pulling her face into a smile indeed and the reason she's not smiling and she's sad is because her father has recently committed suicide. Yes, and her grandmother and mother fight all the time. And her grandmother abuses her adopted sister. There's a lot going on. So essentially, I'm on the, There's a lot of reasons for Nana to be upset. The subtitle of this movie should just be, there's a lot going on. Amon <laughs> shows up and he is this interesting character. He makes fun of and negs. Nana all the time. Aggressively negs. And he flirts with everyone 
Oh, and also before he shows up, the mom, Jenny, gives a whole speech about how, like, God is going to send an angel to help them in their lives. Yes. Well, do you want to talk about this whole angel like, oh my God, there's this imagery. weird angel imagery throughout the movie where there's a, a religious divide in the family where the grandma is Hindu. I think she's actually, it's really interesting because she only wants her to date Sikh men. Oh, maybe she's Sikh. Nena, so I think she's Sikh, but Saraswati, the goddess that she mentions at one point, is a Hindu goddess. Right, so that's what I thought it was doing. So I'm very confused. Yeah. Okay. Whereas the mom, Jenny, is Christian, and so there's a religious divide in the household too, and there's one time where the family, not the grandma, are praying and Jenny is praying like God's gonna send an angel to help us out and we get part of this prayer in voiceover while we see Amon like on a boat coming to New York coming to Staten Island with like the rays of sunlight and he's wearing white yeah and he's always he has these many like musical numbers slash montages slash he's just there sometimes in a there's scene. sometimes they'll be having a conversation he'll be like lurking in the background and watching he's not them. it's he's not really there sometimes he is but he's like hovering he is their guardian angel the angelness of his status is unclear I honestly there was a point watching this movie where I thought the reveal was going to be Amon is a literal angel. He can't be with her because he's an angel and he's not human and he's going to go back to wherever he came from. Because there's scenes, like, I'm thinking of one of the many scenes of conversations underneath the Brooklyn Bridge where Nana and Jenny are talking about the angel and he's just there looking at them. But they never actually interact with him. Yeah, no. It's like, he's not sure he's really there. there. Yeah, yeah, it's very odd. And the character he's playing reminds me a lot of... I haven't seen that many movies with Shah Rukh Khan, but one that I have seen is... It's a very famous early rom-com, Dilwali. Dilhania La Le Jayenge. Often abbreviated. I'm sorry that I pronounced that wrong. But, so he's playing this character that's, like, so weird, honestly, like, it is a weird character. Like, he's jokey, but also mean. Like, it's well, not a real person. just mean to Nana. He's constantly harassing her for not smiling more. He's constantly harassing her to celebrate life, go out, and, like, be spontaneous, because tomorrow may never come. That's true. But he is aggressively friendly to everyone else in the yeah. movie. Almost uncomfortably so, but also does that while leaning into the harassment of Nana, where, like, he'll address Jenny as his mother-in-law. Yeah, exactly. So Invites himself over the first time they meet. He says, yeah, great, what time is dinner? Yeah. The harassment and his teasing Nana about not knowing how to smile actually leads me to my second point. (laughs) Because it's kind of like a period of time in the movie where Aman and Nana are growing closer. Their families grow closer. Basically, Aman saves Nana's family's restaurant. And Which is their sole source of income because her dad committed suicide. Exactly. So they are, their families become very close. And then finally, it seems that Aman's teasing gets... That is, a, that is a fun musical montage when they're renovating the restaurant, turning it from being kind of generic to being a celebration of Indian culture. Yeah, and they're actually... And, and aggressively countering the Chinese restaurant across the street. <laughs> there, the song that's playing is Chale Chalo, which is from another movie, like a, an, an Indian sports movie. So it's kind of satirical. It's like this... this uh, the competition of the sports Yeah, movie. it's like this very patriotic sports song juxtaposed with like renovating the restaurant. And it very much portrays this street's restaurant business as a zero-sum game. Exactly. Like one of them will survive. And thankfully for And for, for the us, other one, tomorrow may never come. Exactly. Thankfully for us, the Indian restaurant prevails but Amon's teasing finally gets under Nana's skin and she decides to prove to him that she can have a good time which is when she invites 
her platonic friend Rohit to pretend to be her boyfriend, and they all go out to a nightclub having a retro-themed night. Because they're invited by Frankie, who they meet on the Staten Island Ferry. Yes. Frankie's Frankie is Suiju. Suiju's love interest. And this is, again, where Aman helps everybody he meets. Like, Suiju sees Frankie on the boat and thinks he's cute. And so then Aman puts on this whole show to get Frankie talking to her and to ask her out. Yeah, so he's like a matchmaker angel problem solver. Is Sweet Two at the retro night with them? She, I think she quickly she disappears. Oh, she shows up and then she goes to the DJ booth and I think she's with Frankie the rest of the night. Because what happens after that is a spectacular dance number. The, before that, there's like a whole fail where Rohit and Nana are trying to establish that they are in a relationship, but they can't keep their story straight. And so Aman picks it apart pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a very short conceit in a very long movie. Exactly. So they have this amazing dance number, which uh, my dream is for Mark, Will, and I to recreate. It's It's called It's the Time to Disco. It's the Time to Disco. It's the Time to Disco. I love that they established it's retro night just so they could do an elaborate disco routine. Their outfits are ridiculous. The dance moves are amazing. But that's what I want from a Bollywood movie. I want an over-the-top, too-many-people dance number, and this gave it to me. That is true. That really delivers on the, like, if we think Bollywood in our minds, it kind of plays into what we believe is Bollywood movies. I would say Mahi Ve gives us, which we'll talk about later, I think that gives us even more of that, like, not stereotypical, but stereotypical idea. Yeah. Because Mahive is even like the traditional outfits and a million people. And, and there are Bollywood movies, so many in fact, that do not have any song and dance numbers. I just personally love the ones that have them. Right. <laughs> so I feel like any Bollywood movies I show you guys are going to kind of play into that over the top song and dance number idea because I just appreciate them a lot. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy American movies and movies from other countries that have over the top song and dance numbers also. So it's really just finding my niche. What we're this saying? Here's the Best Picture winner for 2018 (laughs) ends with a big song and dance number uh, with Hugh Grant dancing in prison. Indeed. 2018's Uh, Paddington 2. 2. But 2002's Best Picture winner actually is a great movie with huge song and dance numbers, Chicago, which is one of my faves. Yes, I don't know much about movies. Claire, what's your favorite (laughs) song and dance number movie? Uh, (laughs) Calhoun (laughs) Aho. It's the time to disco. We don't know the the words. That's all we know. (laughs) It's the only part in English. The reason, it's amazing. So that's why I'm talking about the song. But also, this night out at the club brings the three of them closer. Feelings are growing. What's happening is... Because Nana and Rohit get super hammered and Amon has to take care of them. Exactly. And Nana loosens up and, of course, because she's no longer uptight, now she can be loved. So Rohit falls in love with Nana and Nana begins to fall in love with Amon. And Amon takes Nana home and then takes Rohit home and stays with him. And then we have our first Kantaben. And that morning, Kantaben discovers them in bed and we get a Kantaben! It starts with them actually cuddling 
And then Rohit is trying to push him off and is just like, Layla, I think it was Layla, go away. Because he has this beautiful golden retriever that lives with him. So he thinks Aman is his dog and then eventually wakes up with Aman's face right next to his. And then Kantaven shows up. Kantaven! So now everyone's falling in love with each other. All, every, everyone. Everyone (laughs) is falling falling in love with with everyone. everyone. And this leads me to our next- We're not talking about it, but we should acknowledge, we mentioned it again, through all of this, the- frankly quite mean grandmother has an intense window-to-window relationship with Amon's uncle who lives across the street. Oh yeah, they flirt hardcore. Yeah, and she's like there's a whole thing about how like when she's praying and singing songs, she's like doing it kind of sexily to try to get him to notice. Yeah, and I I believe they have a happily ever after at the end. So, which she doesn't deserve because the grandma is super mean. She's a monster. She has no redemption arc either. No, she doesn't. They handle that so poorly. There's a whole subplot that we don't necessarily have to get into involving the grandma. But anyway, everybody is falling in love with everyone, which leads us to a song about love, which is Kuchito Huahe, which means something surely is happening. And they gallivant through New York City wearing red clothing, singing it's it's Rohit and Nena. And Nena is singing about her love for Amun, and Rohit is singing about his love for Nena. This is a fun sequence. Oh yeah, and that's that's where we see the many couples in love in New York City. And it culminates in this overly dramatic romantic date where Rohit is gonna confess his love to Nena, but she tells him that she loves Amun. Yeah, she doesn't think it's a date, she's planning to be like, alright. Help me with this game plan. Exactly. Because Rohit is her closest friend, besides Sweetu. But Sweetu gets the short end of the stick in every instance of this movie, except for Frankie. I just assume that she is making out with Frankie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It seems like if she's not on screen, though, Nana forgets that Sweetu is her best friend. Yeah, Sweetu really is the unsung hero of this film and the underappreciated hero of this film. So after she confesses. This is my favorite scene in the movie! Yes, so it's coming. Okay, before this, uh, every once in a while in the movie, we've seen Aman hanging out with this woman, Priya. Yes. And they've been like arm in arm, like walking through the street, talking about life and stuff. And we're like, huh. There is an underlying tension between them, something they're not talking about. There's one point where he's talking to his mom, and his mom's like, here's this photo of Priya at the wedding. And it's this woman in wedding clothes. And we're like, huh, what's the deal with this Priya lady? And so then after this sad date where Rohit is left really sad because Nana's not in love with him, then she goes to go and talk to Aman to confess her love. And she runs through the rain because it's when Harry met Sally, and we've got to do that because it's New York City. And she gets there, and she confesses her love to him. No, actually, I don't think she confesses. She doesn't actually get to confessing her love. She shows oh, up she's about to breathless she's couch. about to she sits on the couch and she finds the picture of him and priya and she asks him oh who's this and he says my wife dun, 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 dun. and then she has to cover it as just like oh uh 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 my uncle date no uh your grand my grandma is supposed to give these, she flowers. these flowers for your uncle so in it's interesting just to like highlight the connection between these three, the red is a very symbolic color. So Rohit brings red roses to give to Nana. Wearing a red tie. Wearing a red tie and she's, she's wearing, wearing a red, red dress. dress. But then she confesses that she loves 
Amun, and he's like, here, give him these flowers. And then she takes the flowers to Amun, and Amun's like, I'm married. So she's like, oh, these are for your uncle. And then the uncle gives the flowers to the grandma. So the red flowers make the rounds in all the love stories in the movie. Except for Sweet Two and Frankie. There's an even greater reveal. Would you like to explain well, your so favorite moment in the film? Mark and I were busy cracking jokes about the flowers getting passed around. So we had to watch this scene twice, and I'm so glad we did. So Nana leaves really upset, and then Amon's mom has like seen the end of this. And she comes in and she's like, why don't you tell her you love her? And Amon's like, I don't love her. And and she's like, why did you say that about Priya? Priya is your doctor. What? Well, you forgot the moment when well, he says, I don't love her. The best thing is, when he says, I don't love her, it, we're just like, it's a close-up on the two of them talking to each other. His mom pulls his hand up into the frame, and we see his fingers are crossed incredibly tightly as he says he doesn't love her. And his mom reaches over and has to pry them apart. And it's difficult because he's resisting. And this is not just one cheesy moment. It this is, is a recurring straight. motif in the movie. It he, is so funny. He does I, it again and again. This is the most incredible scene I've ever witnessed. So he uncrosses his fingers and he says, okay, he lays it all out to his mom. He says that he has so much love in his heart for Nana, but his heart is too weak to go forward because this is like exactly halfway through the movie he does not have much time left he's deathly ill and he's dying and that's why he and nana can never be together he needs a heart transplant right yes. yeah and Priya, instead of be, despite being dressed sexily and walking very closely and like having an awkward tension with him, is apparently just his doctor. Yes. Trying to find him a transplant. And the tension is that he's not doing enough to take care of himself. Yes. He's focused on getting everyone to live their best life. He's not being healthy himself. Yeah. So when there's like any tense moments between them, it's because she's trying to tell him what to do. But so now we have this guy who is so desperate to be in love with Nana that he can't even say he doesn't love her without tightly crossing his fingers. And he propels the story forward because he decides that if he can't be around to love Nana, he will build love for her and leave it in this world that he's leaving. So he makes it his goal to help Rohit Woo, Nana. Which brings us to point number four, I believe. Exactly. Point number four. And this is captured in the song, the title song, Kalho Naho. The six-day window. Uh, may, the, it may not be there tomorrow, or tomorrow may never come. By the way, fun fact about this song, the title song of the movie. They wrote this theme after the director and the composer were sitting in a diner, and they heard My Heart Will Go On on the radio. And the director was like, I want a song that sounds like that. And the instrumental version of Kalho Naho, which is called Heartbeat Instrumental, plays often. Whenever something's sad or romantic happens uh, in the movie, this plays softly in the background. So they definitely got their romantic, sad-tinged theme song. So essentially what happens is in this weird, jokey, kind of consent, vague montage. Nagging montage. What what is going on? Are you singing My Heart Will Go On? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> in this montage, Shah Rukh Khan's character, Aman, literally gives Rohit instructions through a earpiece. This basically turns into a Cyrano de Bergerac story. Yeah, it's full Cyrano. Aman gives him a Bluetooth. This really big Bluetooth Over-the-top 2003 Bluetooth is brand new, giant Bluetooth earpiece, and is feeding him lines. Nana never asks, like, oh, you got a Bluetooth? Which I also find <laughs> funny. 
and he's wearing it like in class and just all the time so i mean his minutes must have gone like that because this is 2003 but aman is feeding him lines telling him what to do and for the first like four out of the six days it'll take he doesn't talk to nana at all yeah it's all about like playing the long game and playing hard to get which is stupid because none of that stuff ever works yeah but it's immensely successful trying to build <laughs> jealousy flirts with another hot girl in their mba class so in six days oh we totally skipped him flirting with camilla oh, oh my god oh, he has this whole thing where he is dating another woman named camilla who's just into him for his money and aman calls it out and he's Wait. like but Will, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know that she's just in it for his money? It's so subtle. How did you pick up on that? Can you explain how so, we know that? There's an incredible bit in this. There's so much in this movie. Watch this movie. It's on Prime. It's so good. So Rohit has started dating Camilla once he finds out that Nana is into Aman. And there's one time they're out to dinner. It's probably like their second or third time. No, because we've seen a montage of them in different dresses. Yeah. This is a woman that his parents want him to date because i think she's supposed to be gujarati too yeah because rohit's gujarati and they bring that up a lot yes so they're out to dinner and camilla slides a ring into her own drink and then announces like yes i'll marry you and it's like great we're engaged now but the best part is that whenever we see camilla there's a riff similar to Kantaben that just goes she wants your money she wants your money so we know that Camilla only wanted Rohit's money. And, and Amon <laughs> just happens played, to be at the restaurant. Yeah. And comes over and is like, yo, she wants your money. She wants your money. They play this the, like, second time you ever see Camilla. It's yeah. not like a reveal or anything. No, From no. the beginning, you know that Camilla only is there for his she money. She is a gold digger. Because Rohit is loaded. Hella rich. Yeah. And so Amon is like, look. If you want to find out if she's only into your money, say, you know, your dad's really rich, but you want to make it on your own, so you're going to renounce your family title or whatever. And Rohit tries it, and she flips out. Fun fact, Claire taught me, Saif Ali Khan, who plays Rohit, actually has a family title. Yeah, he's a prince. He's the uh, Nawab of some small state in India. So after this thing with Camilla, Aman helps Rohit woo Naina, and Aman sings the title song mournfully because he can't be with his love, Naina, but... He's urging her to be with another man who will love her, though he cannot. As obnoxious as the Cyrano sequence is for the terrible advice it gives, there is some fun stuff where they're showing this takes place over a couple of days, and like the way they cut from day to day is pretty entertaining. There's like random passerby who are like, day Day one, day two. Yeah, it's fun. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of dynamism going on there. Yeah. It's impressive that this is the guy's first movie. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I was more focused on the stars and Karan Johar, but yeah. I would say the one thing is that this movie is unconscionable in how poorly lit it is. Yeah, Will would not shut up about that. It's he benched so bad. it at least three or four times. The lighting in this movie that. is dreadful. We watched this in two parts. We watched the first hour and a half, and then we watched the second. And particularly the second time we were watching it, I like couldn't see past it. Yeah. I still, still like the movie a lot. It's just I, I almost was, immoral. It, was, badly, it was badly lit, I will admit. Is Kano Honaho the song he sings from like a balcony in Grand Central the first time they're at Grand Central Station? Or is it in a different place? So is this the one like, he's singing while walking on the Brooklyn Bridge? Yeah, and he's wearing all white. Oh, and it's yeah. Because like he's an angel. It's like his angel song. And he's, it's, it's like his angel angel ballad of woe tomorrow may never come and at the end of the angel ballad there's a hitch in the plan because Nana discovers that aman has been helping rohit 
and she's very mad, but then Amon gives this impassioned speech pretending that it's words that Rohit had written. Oh, this is where they're in Amon's apartment and without any cuts of time or anything, they walk out the door and they're in Grand Central like Station. inside the building. As right, if he lived he lives. in there. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he lives in Grand Central Station. And <laughs> Nana lives at the Brooklyn Bridge. She lives in her house and then she goes outside to cry next to the Brooklyn That's like Bridge. The par- she lives clearly on Staten Island because they always take the ferry. But when she ever gets upset at home, she's always next to the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, and and crying heavily. The, we'll get to this. We're about to get to this. Oh my God. But essentially, so Amon gives this impassioned speech pretending that it's words that Rohit had, Rohit had written, but it's really from his heart. And that wins Nana over, and Nana agrees to marry Rohit. As Rohit says it, the first step to love is friendship. The last is two. The only thing left is the middle. Also, in his proposal, he says, and this is where, I mean, Rohit is kind of a douchebag for parts of the movie, but I kind of enjoy this speech because it's kind of an interesting commentary as well on relationships and how we perceive love but he makes a speech where he says i have enough love for the both of us and if you trust me i know that our love will grow over time and that's how he proposes and she agrees to marry him because they've become very close he's been wooing her and she's just decides that she trusts in his love to be enough for them in and the future in that speech he even sets up he almost sounds like he's gonna give her an ultimatum where he's just like and my love for you will end never and it's very dramatic where he's saying like i'll wait for you yeah until i die Rohit goes hard he falls for her very hard so this leads us to the engagement party Another big Bollywood number, Mahive, which means my sweetheart. And this is our fifth and final point. This is our fifth and final point. <laughs> like the movie, the fifth point will drag on too long. So there's this very wonderful engagement party dance number, but at the end you of know, the- I forgot about this whole sequence. The Mahive, I think, is the- most famous song out of this movie it is it's a well-known song i don't know yeah i listen to bollywood pandora a lot me too when i used to listen to pandora and Mahi Ve was one of the most frequent songs this that would come up. This is a song up. that I was obsessed with in high school. That's like, sad My friends and I did a music video to it. It should be It's Time to Disco. Yeah. Oh, but Mahi Ve is super catchy, though, if you listen to it again. It's, it's like, time to it's the time to disco is only great because of the se- the video sequence. Mahive is a great song just to listen it's to. It's super catchy. That's fair. And it's DJed by Frankie. At the beginning, we hear "Yo, Frankie," and then uh, Sweet Two and Frankie exchange a loving look. All the family are celebrating together, but. There's a hitch because Amon has some kind of episode. It mostly involves sweating. And for the rest of the movie, everyone is either sweating or crying. Because Amon has this episode, and then, while he's in the hospital, Nana runs into his doctor, Priya, and discovers that he is dying. Yeah, and Priya's, like, super casual. She's like, oh, Nana, I've heard so much about you. Like, it's great to meet you. Yeah, and she thinks it's his wife, but she learns that it's not his wife. It's his doctor, and he's dying, and she freaks out. She sobs at the Brooklyn Bridge. She realizes that Amon loved her so much that he set her up with Rohit. And it's very tragic because they love each other, but they can't be together. So it's like they're just endlessly sobbing through the rest of the movie. Like, Rohit and and Nana get married, and Nana is 
crying the, the whole time. time. Like it's the most depressing wedding of I all know. time. Amon is there, and the the yeah, Amon is there, and the sad, right next to her. The sad instrumental, Kahonaho heartbeat instrumental is playing. Everyone is sobbing. Her mom is sobbing. Amon is sobbing, and it just literally like we were groaning because it goes on so. This is long. like the last forty five minutes of the movie. People are. It's just like non stop emotions, and you're supposed to be invested in their love story, but really, I was just like, why isn't he dead so that she can date the hotter guy? It's the problem at the end of Titanic where you're like, at some point, just like, let the boat sink. Yeah, it was ridiculous. This movie, if they cut down the crying by half, the movie would be two and a half hours long. That's only cutting half of the crying. So finally, Rohit and Nana get married. And Rohit and Aman also have a tearful angry exchange where Rohit has realized that Amon loves Nana and he's like well why did you do this and and Amon is basically like you're not dying so shut up and and take advantage of the fact that you can live with this girl forever and if there was any justice in this world this is when the two of them would immediately start passionately making out sadly that did not occur instead there was just more crying and we cut to finally at the end Amon is in the hospital everyone every single other character in the movie cries he cries, and then finally, Nana runs out of the room. I think Shah Rukh Khan is just crying out of relief that he gets to do a scene lying down so he doesn't have to stand up with his back issues. I mean, maybe, but, like, it was very realistic crying and sweating. His eyes are, like, blood red. It's, They're, like, disturbing. He looks terrible. It's yeah. deliberate yeah. on the movie's part. He looks awful. There are a lot of male tears in this movie, which I didn't think about till now. That's true. That's another thing I love about Bollywood is that there's emotion all around. And also, when people fall in love in Bollywood, like especially in this like romantic genre of Bollywood, it is intense. Like they believe in the power of strong emotions. And that's also partially the heightened emotions of musicals, but even more intense. Which I identify with because I'm someone who like enjoys watching and consuming and feeling intense emotions. <laughs> so, okay, Nana runs crying out of the room and it's just a romantic moment between Rohit and Aman. And Aman makes Rohit promise that Nana can be his in every other life but this one. But Rohit gets Nana in this life. Yes. And Amon gets him in all the exactly. others. Exactly. And then he dies. Finally. And cut to more crying. And Nana is tearfully telling the story to her younger sister 20 years later. The story of the angel. The story of the angel and her love, Amon. And then Rohit comes and he talks about his love for Amon because everybody knows Rohit really wanted to be with Amon. But they're in love 20 years later and they have a very white looking child. (laughs) It looks like they (laughs) cast a random girl off the streets of New York. It's it's the kid from Jerry Maguire, right? Yeah. And it ends sadly but happily ever after. By the way, actually, Shah Rukh Khan got the director to make him a special edit of the movie where the movie ends before he dies. What does that mean? So, like, Nana still ends up married with Rohit, but the movie cuts off before Aman dies. Why? Because Shah Rukh Khan wanted a version of it where he doesn't die that he could show his kids. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, my God. Well, what Shah Rukh wants, Shah Rukh gets. It's nice knowing it was for his kids because if it was just for him, it's kind of like... How many movies have you died in, Sharuk? Like, you've been in 80. <laughs> it's on his writer. I do not die. So I can't believe that we... I think we just summarized that movie. I mean, there's, uh, there's so, so much, much else that about. happens. Remember Guru? Guru is this dude oh who my shows God. up at a dinner party and is, like, super obnoxious. My He's... favorite thing from Guru is at one point he basically toasts long-live video piracy. <laughs> 
remember the hot dog? Is it Bagel Lady? There's a Bagel Lady. The Bagel Lady, yeah. There's a Flower Lady who has a star turn. There's a whole... We Priya didn't even, has a sister. We didn't even talk about... Uh, Sweetu, excuse me, has a Sweetu, sister. Yeah, Sweetu has, has a, a sexual sister. sister. Yeah. Who's like trying to get with any man who comes within a 10-foot yeah. radius of her. We didn't even talk about half of the symbolism with the color red or the amount of times that Amun's fingers are crossed because it happens a lot. Yeah. Oh, my favorite part about the Bagel Lady is they're speaking in Hindi and then like four times they said in English just how much and then she would say three dollars but then they would keep talking in Hindi and then again they would say in English how much and then she would say three dollars and this goes on for like five minutes. It went on for a long time. By the way in the first chunk of this movie I want to remind us Nana is wearing a t-shirt with a picture of a football on it that says sporty girl. Oh my god can we talk about the fashion in this movie? Why are Rohit's collars so big? (laughs) Every single one of Rohit's collars like reaches his nipples. It makes me troubled that maybe the fashion of the early 2000s is coming back because it's so bad that it's good. It's like horrible. There's like loud colors, like enormous collars, like weird long t-shirts under short t-shirts. You know everyone's about to put on a shrug. (laughs) Rohit refuses to button more than two buttons on his shirts. Yeah, you can like see your reflection in his shiny hairless chest that is exposed in these giant collars. He wears a tank top at one point that has a woman with one breast exposed on it. (laughs) That's in the disco scene. That's in the disco scene. It's nightclub wear. Ugly light sunglasses and different colors that don't provide any sun protection. It's just a visual and emotional and spiritual and musical masterpiece of a film. It's a journey. (laughs) Cornucopia of overwhelming emotional madness. It's a journey you need to take yourself on. Exactly. And I know after we summarized it so eloquently, everybody will want to. See the movie or else Aman will call you a nerd a bunch of times until you fall in love with him. Yeah, especially if you pray about it first. Then he'll pop up and work some of his angel magic and then promptly die while sweating profusely. Oh, he does not promptly <laughs> die in any oh, he world. does not promptly die. That is true. He dies for far too long. They sweat so much in this movie. All right, we're kind of moving into the territory where I think we should say, do we find this romance believable? The only romance I find believable is... Rohit and Amon. I'm sorry, what about Sweetu and the Frankie, oh, the DJ? That's also true. <laughs> or the grandparents. No, she deserves no love. That's true. The grandma is really mean. She's also a child <laughs> abuser. She's yeah. not just mean. No, you're right. Sorry. Um, okay, but what about Amon and Nana? No. Also, no. because he's so clearly older than him. All sh- uh, older than her. He looks, he's not, but he looks older than the actress playing his mom. Yeah. See, the thing is, if we say this is believable, it almost feels like we're endorsing negging. I honestly think that the relationship between Rohit and Nana is much more believable. Like, I don't even yeah. believe Nana's feelings for Aman, really. Like... I feel like I saw her getting closer with Rohit the whole movie, and she just insisted that she was in love with Aman, and I was like, really? Because he's really close to your family, but he's been kind of annoying to you, and you don't really have much in common. The movie is just like, it's Shah Rukh Khan, so obviously she's in love with him. I think it needs another half hour to flesh out that idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think we need more time. (laughs) Maybe they they cry about (laughs) it at the Brooklyn Bridge. (laughs) That's what this movie needs, is more crying. At the Brooklyn Bridge. Or the fairy. No, I think they should cry at the George Washington Bridge. Just a change. Maybe they should cry in his apartment in Grand Central. (laughs) (laughs) Next to the bagel lady. So where would we rate this out of 10? Okay, can you give me a benchmark of some of your previous ratings? While You Were Sleeping was a 3 because she lied about being engaged to someone who got (laughs) hit by a train. I would put this maybe at a 3 or 4. Well, also... 
are we talking about the believability of the story where he's just really romance. sexy with his doctor and then is like, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, just the romance. So you can include that Priya stuff. It's like a, a four? Yeah, it's probably yeah, a four. four. Yeah. No one gets hit by a train. Yeah, and also like, it's and not like implausible. No. No. And it is Shah Rukh Khan. It is Shah Rukh Khan. But yeah, I'm much more into the relationship between Nana and Rohit. And I would like to see another film about the relationship between Aman and Rohit. That will never happen. Featuring his dog Layla and Kanta Ben. <laughs> they're, also, they're also all now like 50. I mean, that does not stop Shah Rukh Khan. He's still starring opposite 30-year-old actresses. Yeah, but Saif Ali Khan is also in his 50s, which means he's too old for no, Shah Rukh no, Khan. No, 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 no. He's a man. So he can star in Bollywood movies until he dies. All right, if you I had to pick Contaben is up to. If you did have to pick one person in this movie to Sweet date. too. <laughs> I am so attracted to Saif Ali Khan. Like Rohit is kind of a dick, but I'm just too into him to say any to give any other answer to that question. Rohit. While we were watching the movie, I wrote down old lady flower salesman. <laughs> she was a, she had a good uh three minute scene or whatever. Yeah. This old woman who sells flowers to Rohit. She sells him the red flowers that work their way through all the characters. And then later on he's going to buy flowers for Camilla and She wants your money. She offers him red flowers and he's like, No, that color makes me sick. More symbolism with the red. So he buys yellow flowers instead. She was really funny. Oh, we didn't talk about um if Nana and Arman are dateable, did we? Oh, we did not. Are Nana and Arman dateable? No. No. Neither of them. Aman is too over the top and he's dying, which is inconvenient. Aman um, is, <laughs> is low-key a monster. Nana, maybe. She is very mopey, though. She's very mopey. I think if she had some more time to process her father's death and yeah, repair Nana's her relationship with her not family, no. she could get there. She is. She's getting an MBA. She's a strong woman. Okay, that's that's valid. She's dateable. Aman is not. She needs no. some work, but she could be dateable. Like, yeah. she needs to do some personal work. Yeah. She needs Aman, to love herself nah. first. Yeah, she needs to learn to love herself. Always worth asking when we do a musical. What's your favorite song in the movie? Can we say anything other than It's the Time to Disco? <laughs> There's had, no other answer. We had such other. a great time. Like, I think this that song, that musical number, changed our relationship I as think roommates. it brought us all closer <laughs> together. It's the time to, to discover. I'm like immediately going to pull it up on YouTube after we record and watch it. It was truly spectacular. And the male to female ratio lines up well so that we could recreate it. I'm just saying that we don't have to be Harry Potter themed So anymore. you're the Nana, but which of us is Oman and which yeah. is Rahit? Claire, you have to decide. But am I the Nana? I guess I am. I, I think that matches my personality the closest too. I think, I don't know. That's a really hard question because you guys don't fall into those archetypes. But I think I think that I think that you're the Rohit. And uh, that's what well I was thinking. That's what I was Will thinking has too. The capacity to be more over the top. <laughs> also, Will is weirdly obsessed with Clarence from what is that? What <laughs> it's is, a wonderful from, life. It's a wonderful life. So I think he is really into this whole savior angel thing. So well, I think like, he would. God's he, gonna send us an angel. And I was like, oh, maybe Clarence will be in this movie. But he definitely, you've definitely mentioned it, like. Many times. Every time they made me watch a weird angel symbolism scene. I'm just saying that you're into the angel stuff, so you're Amon, and then you are like, you've also, we were best friends all through college. And then Will came in and changed our lives. Yes, exactly. So clearly the moral of the story is that Mark and I are going to get married. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dick. (laughs) All right. Well, well, that, that about does it for this movie. Friendship is the beginning of love. What is the... Uh, the first step to love is friendship. <laughs> the first step to love is friendship, Mark. And the last step is also friendship? The last That's step right. is also friendship. <laughs> We've done all the steps of love. 
Um, looking ahead, I have been pushing for a while for us to cover all of the DreamWorks animated features. The DWCU. Because that company needs to answer for what they have done to us all. So next week, we're going to move ahead in that by looking at the submarine monstrosity that is Shark Tale. Oh I am God, so I'm excited. so excited. Do you want to be back, Claire? I don't, I mean, I can't be back because I'm very busy and popular special guest on this podcast, but I will watch the movie with you because the car wash song is a forever jam. They tried to make, menace. They tried to make a sexy fish that looks like Will Smith. It yeah, that's just a crime. Like no, but what about the sexy female fish? <laughs> with that's boobs, like, she have boobs? She has boobs. That's like B-movie level weird, weird anthropomorphic animal sexiness. But I'm sure you're going to get into it next week. So. Oh, yes. Until then, of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness. And you can email us questions and movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. And again, tell us your story about sharing the podcast with someone you know by tweeting at us with the hashtag... Hashtag podcast summer because Will wrote it twice. All right, last, last question for all of us: What's, what's the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? Oh my god, disco. Disco. That's it. That's all. That's all I can say. All the dating advice in this movie is objectively horrible. Men and women and non-gender conforming people do not insult people and make them jealous and play hard to get in the hopes that they will settle for you and think about their dead lover for the next 20 years because that will not work and would be weird. I got my dating advice from grandma, so I'm just going to play music out a window at somebody until they fall in love with me. Honestly, that's more effective than insulting someone so they go on a date with you. Or what you could do is get one of your friends to stage a breakup with you loudly on the Staten Island ferry and then point to a strange man and say, (laughs) won't you date her? She deserves happiness. Honestly, the only valuable advice is go for a bowl red and be yourself <laughs> and that's what i always tell people yeah disco, and disco. Da, 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 da. It's time to disco. all right there you go until next time i'm a ginger and i'm gay so between the two of us we know everything there is to know about romance and i live here too and Yay! you know <laughs> what time it is it's the time to disco it's the time to disco it's the time to disco <laughs> <laughs>